Hello and welcome to Sifting Through the Shit. I'm your host, KT. Today's date, March 23rd, 2022. Oh, where to begin? It's been a while since I've been on. Um, let's start with blessings in disguise and silver linings. So, my nephew, well, I, let me back up a second. I drove the Maserati into town today because I had to, uh, I had to take one truck from a location and grab another truck and didn't really need my work truck and with gas or diesel being damn near five bucks a gallon it's easier to drive the car that gets 20 some miles to the gallon as opposed to the truck that gets 10 and about halfway into town the car started running like shit i'm like great now what get the trucks moved whatever get back into the car it won't even start great now what now this is a night or a yeah, 1991, so while there is a check engine system on it, it's an older system that flashes codes. It does, it, you can't plug in your OBD2 reader and have it tell you what's wrong with the car. Now, according to the code flashes that I read, it said that the engine was uh, too cold for too long, and it did act like it was running rich. So I'm hoping the thermostat will do the trick. But I guess I'm thankful for the fact that I made it. I did get the car started again. I had to hold the throttle all the way to the floor. And I made it back out to my shop. I was telling my nephew about this. And he said, oh, how funny. Because the belt blew on my car. And he's supposed to be coming up here because he works for me. And he goes back to school in Muskegon, which is like, I don't know, 100 and some miles away um, every Wednesday. So, thankfully, his belt broke near his home and not halfway in between. So, just a little reminder that, you know, if you look, as bad as things can be, there's always a could-have-been-worse type situation, I guess is what I'm getting at. So, as I'm listening to the New York Times admit that the uh, Hunter Biden story, or uh, Hunter Biden laptop story, is for real... And people are now saying, you know, this, you know, Joe ain't going to survive this because not only is it going to show tax evasion and corruption and that he was bought out by Ukrainians and Russians and the Chinese, but also that his son was molesting his 14-year-old cousin or niece, I don't know which it is, and that Joe knew about it. Now, this got me to thinking, well, let me hold off a second there. Remember when Donald Trump said, uh, hey, Joe, you better watch out for that 25th Amendment because, you know, they may just use it on you. I'm going to predict in the coming months, oh, Joe is going to get a whole lot worse as far as his memory and his ability to lead goes. And they're going to say, oh, you know what? We need to remove him via the 25th Amendment. And they're going to say, you know, you can't prosecute him now. He, he's, not, he's not competent enough to stand trial for his crimes. Mark my words, that's the way this shit's going to go down. And it's sad, too, because, you know, we all know the cocksucker's a perv pedophile from way back. But whatever. What are you going to do, you know? So... But it got me to thinking, though, about a book that I've been writing called Utopia. Um, warning. Look at this asshole. I'm sorry, I'm watching some guy 
past like three vehicles and just cut off some other guy. I should have got a picture of his plate because, yeah, he the guy coming towards him had to get off the road. The guy he passed had to get off the road because he's in a big fucking hurry. Anyhow, Utopia, warning. The book was based in the future after the Great World War. And the Great World War was based on a religious um, ideology. Basically, the Muslim um, religion took on the whole world. And because that was the start of the war, after the war was over, they abolished all the religion. And they held the population to, oh, I want to say 365,000. 1,000 people per community community can't speak today and each community had you know as your 1,000 people you had different jobs and the main character in the um, book his name is John and everybody who does what John does that's their name their name defines who they are John has a cousin his name is Dexter can you imagine what Dexter's occupation is that's right scientist John's wife's name is Isabella John's wife is a teacher. So there is no more breeding. Um, Everybody is grown in a lab. You get your child when you turn 25 years old. And when you turn 25 years old, your father is then euthanized and given back to Mother Earth, as they call it. So there's a perfect cycle of humans on the Earth. Every 25 years, a generation goes by actually every 50 because I guess you're alive for 50 years anyhow that's neither here nor there the people who organized this and quote unquote saved the world from ultimate destruction they are the elites and the elites live on the island of are you ready Hawaii why not it's beautiful sunshine 90% of the time And the elites get to eat pork and beef and anything they want. And the elites also, once a month, have commoners flown in from the mainland that are drugged and used for sexual purposes. Because the elites get to keep their sexual reproductive organs. And because the commoners do not have any sexual reproductive organs, there's no chance of them getting pregnant. And so as I'm thinking about these stories that I'm hearing now of Ukraine and the pedophile rings that go on in our elite class, I'm blown away how close my story is to what we're actually living through today. It wasn't Hawaii, it was Ukraine. It's still the elites, they want to control everything. Now there's talk of this new world order again after 30 years when... uh, Bush Sr. had mentioned it on a podium and most of Americans went fuck that and I think that we're still doing that although they've brainwashed a lot of youth to thinking that America's bad you know and how much better the world would be if we all united and that sounds you know kumbaya let's all sing and dance together but the fact of the matter is we're all different and for there to be a government ruling the entire world, there's just too many, we'll call them cultural personalities. What's good, even you know, as an American, what's good for a New York City person isn't good for me living up here in rural country, Michigan. 
I mean, that's just a fact. And it's nothing bad. It's not evil. It's not horrific. It's just the way it is. So. Sorry about that. I actually dropped my phone while I was driving, doing my podcast. (laughs) This is what happens when you do this shit live, people. So, anyhow, you know, maybe a one-world currency wouldn't be so bad. But a one-world government, absolutely not. And, you know, you hear this Klaus Schwab and these uh, George Soros fools trying to push this stuff. And make no mistake, you know, they make it sound all utopian that, you know, you'll have a place to live, you'll have a job, you'll have food, you'll have transportation, whatever the fuck that means most likely means that everybody will live within a city you will not be able to reproduce unless your social credit score is proper you will not be able to do anything unless your social credit score is proper so you might as well stop thinking right now not to worry the government will think for you no more vacations no more um, entertainment like we know it today Oh, sure, you'll still have movies. You'll have Hollywood putting out the crap that they've been putting out for years. More or less reaffirming that your shitty little life is what you were meant for. And in in my book, John is cleaning up what he discovers is a uh, the site where the Smithsonian Institute or museum used to be. And he's finding all kinds of things and he's looking at it going, this looks important. The first thing he finds is, and he doesn't know what these things are because he's not able to read or write because his job description does not require it. His wife, Annabelle, who's a school teacher, she is allowed to read and write, but she's not allowed to teach John to read or write. So John finds this book that is very shiny and thick and he brings it home. And he shows it to Annabelle. And Annabelle's like, John, you better get rid of that. That is taboo. That is religious. It needs to be gone. So John's like, I don't know. It just looks so important. So he calls Dexter over. Dexter comes over. And despite the rules, Dexter tells him, you know, look, this was a book. It was called the Holy Bible. And it was part of a religion. And he goes in to tell him a little bit about Jesus and, and Jesus' philosophy of, you know, do no, do unto others as you would have done unto you. And basically, you know, the, the true message of Jesus, you know, believe in God and be good to each other. I mean, it's basically as it gets. And so John disposes of it like he's supposed to. But then John finds another thing. It's a case. And this case looks huge. It looks very important. It's very tough. And inside it is a piece of paper with writing on it that just looks so old. It's in proper cursive and, you know, people don't even use cursive in the future. It's all digital. It's all type signature and, you know, thumbprints and stuff. And so John, once again, calls Dexter over. He doesn't show it to Annabelle now because he doesn't want to piss Annabelle off because the penalty for 
reading and writing when you're not supposed to is very high and teaching somebody or, or reading and writing or reading something for somebody is also very high. Not quite deaf, but you're going to probably wish you were dead. And so he calls Dextro and he's like, Dexter, what is this? And Dexter's like, oh my gosh, that's what they used to call the Declaration of Independence. And he goes on to tell John about the story of our forefathers and how they, you know, founded this land and whatnot. And throughout the story, John slowly realizes that, you know, he he feels like he was meant to do more than just clean. And he gets feelings in his groin area for his wife that he doesn't understand. And despite the fact that they took his sexual reproductive organs away, he still gets basically a boner. And he doesn't understand it because nobody's explained it to him. And throughout the story, they discover the elites. And then they discover what the elites are doing, bringing the people to the island and molesting them unconsciously. And there's a huge uprising and all the elites are brutally punished. And then the pendulum swings the other way. And I can't explain why I felt inspired to write that story. I haven't finished it. I mean, I've got about as much as I've told you because it's so convoluted because John's son's name is John and John's father's name is John. And it's John uh, 3.16, which is kind of funny. And 3.16 is the 316th community of the 365 communities. Obviously, there's more in the depths of the book as to why I chose 3.16, and you can look that up. But I can't help but wonder to myself if God didn't touch me on the head and give me these ideas for writing this book kind of as a futuristic hope for what we've got going on right now, that we are discovering what the elites have been doing to us and what's going to happen to them. Now, I don't wish bad things upon anybody. I wish, I pray that these people come to the realization that um, God doesn't want this and that they ask God for forgiveness and that they turn in their ways. But we know that that's probably not going to happen. But despite what we think we know, that is what we're meant to pray for. So on that note, I'm going to end things and say, you know, let's all pray. Lord, we beg you for peace, prosperity, and freedom for the whole world, that one may live their life based upon their ambitions and what, you know, they reap the rewards of their their labors as it was intended, I believe. And on that note, amen. God bless. Have a good day.